Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 reads, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he explains the role of the teaching pastor in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Why Have Pastors? Here's the deal. Look at American churchianity over the last uh, 150 years or so, and you will find some marvelously gifted Bible teaching preachers. You will also find a lot of charlatans, and you'll find a lot of people who have built an empire around a personality and who have greatly abused the position of a teaching pastor. Um, that's, still, that's still true today. Still goes on, uh, still goes on a lot today. Um, I've been a part of helping start several churches, and in uh, one in particular and another one to a lesser degree, there has been someone who has come along who has seized all the power as a pastor and wrung the life out of a body of, of believers. Well, with that going on, and in wanting to not let someone become an autocratic, if you will, um, Diotrephes type, if you read Third uh, John, uh, Diotrephes is the man who put people out of the church and usurped all the power uh, for himself, uh, they want to develop appropriate accountability, elders to elders, and, and, and appropriate teamwork. It's a good thing in my humble opinion, that in the last 50 or so years, this concept of recognizing the plurality of elders in the local church has been rediscovered, if you will, and re-emphasized, and, and, and that's a good thing, and I've been part of that movement, and I'm all, I'm all for it. But the thinking that goes too far, it is, it is around, it's the idea that elders since they all share the same responsibility and the same accountability to the Lord for the oversight of the church, therefore, they should serve in all aspects of ministry equally and interchangeably. In other words, an elder is an elder is an elder. Uh, and you can plug any of them in any place with equal effectiveness. That idea flies in the face of the the exact words of 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. There is a subcategory of a subcategory of elders. All the elders rule. Some rule well, especially well. It doesn't mean the others rule poorly, but some distinguish themselves, and especially then the smallest group, those who labor in the Word and teaching. Now, it's a blessing if there is more than one in a congregation that is really good at preaching in public. That's a, that's a good thing. But 
it's not a blessing to try to force people to serve in ways that maybe they're not suited for. Maybe they're not equipped by God's grace. Maybe they're not gifted for doing that. There are some places, and, and, and a few of them do this, I have to admit, quite well, where the elders systematically are rotated through the pulpit week by week. Now, with a unique set of people, that can be good. But I promise, if you had, say, six different people who preached, and you rotated them every six weeks, you look back over a year, you would be, just humanly speaking, it would be the most natural thing in the world. You would be paying attention. Who seems to bear the most fruit? Who seems to to connect with the most people. And, and you would find it's going to boil down to usually one or two that distinguish themselves. And they ought to be set apart, supported by the church, to pour themselves into working hard at preaching and teaching. The elders of a church uh, need to be elders, plural. There needs to be a plurality of them. And I submit to you, they need to be diverse in their giftedness, probably in their personalities and, and in their experience in ministry. I have served alongside a lot of people in the half century that I have been involved in uh, professional ministry, if you will. And some of those can run circles around me in certain aspects of ministry. I think especially of, of um, empathy. I mean, I am totally empathetic to your problem. You have a problem, I'll give you the verse, go away, memorize it, and don't bug me. Uh, maybe not quite that, that harsh, but some people are just so good, we can, we can be in the same meeting, and I can come away and say, wow, that was good, and somebody else can say, well, yeah, uh, that was good, but did you notice that, that, that Betty looks a little down today? I say, no. <laughs> some people are really good on that level, and some of them are not as good at parsing Greek verbs or explaining what, what something means. Not every elder is the best at every aspect of ministry. And Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 seems to explain it pretty well. 1 Timothy 4 seems to explain it pretty well. The elders collectively share this responsibility, and that's why God designs for a plurality of elders to serve as a team. Now, I want you to look afresh at two other verses that were also written in this very same era as Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Timothy chapter 5, right in the beginning of the church. It's in the book. These are two, um, two references from the book of Hebrews. Now, spoiler alert, Hebrews was written to Jews who were Christians, all right? So this is the, the very early church. And Hebrews 13, 7 is where we'll start. Remember... Those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Now notice, remember, those who, that's, a, that's plural. Who led these people in the early steps of their development of their walk with Christ, even before the gospel went mainly to the Gentiles? It was a team of people. In the chapter before this, they had been exhorted to look back to the chapter even before that and observe those in the Old Testament who had lived by faith. 
And then the writer of the Hebrews takes it a step further, brings it into their lives and says, pay attention to those leaders and how they live. And by the way, he mentions three responsibilities there of the leaders, the pastors, the elders, the deacons, if you will. Number one, they lead or they rule. Number two, they speak the word of God. And number three, they set an example for people to imitate. In other words, they lead both by proclaiming what God says and by living according to His Word in a credible way, (coughs) and they work as a team. Now, skip down 10 verses. Very similar subject. And notice again the plurals. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Now here he just generically mentions leaders. Ten verses before that he just says, those who led you. Well, there had been more revelation given by the time of 1 Timothy chapter 5 to define those offices, but... The word leaders is not, it's not the word for elder, it's not the word for shepherd, it's not the word for overseer, it's not the word for deacon. It just lumps them all together, all together as the leaders. And what are we to do with leaders in the church? Well, obey them, unless they're telling you to do something contrary to Scripture, in which case the Scripture tells you what to do to challenge, correct, and if necessary, remove them from their position. Unless they're telling you to do something contrary to Scripture, obey the leaders, and to do so is for you to obey the Lord. The Lord will work through them. Second thing, submit to them. The word submit in the New Testament always means to voluntarily arrange yourself in order under someone else's leadership. There's no place that anybody is ever told to make somebody else submit. Never ever. But we are all called to voluntarily submit to those in the leadership. It's the same word used for wives in relationships to husbands. It's used for you in relation to your employer. And it's used for all of us in relation to civil authorities. God designed for His church, the body of Christ, in each of its local manifestations, every culture, every city, every place around the world in every era to be led by a group of godly leaders. This is how he designs for all the different manifestations of his body in all the different places that it go, that the gospel goes with different emphases, different spheres of influence, uh, which are unique to each church. It's always the same general plan. Now, why should you obey? and submit to church leaders? Well, it's pretty straightforward here. Because they watch over your souls. They keep watch over your souls. The the word that's translated watch over implies literally sleeplessness. Being constantly alert. And would you notice very carefully, they will give an account. Account for what? account for how they kept watch over your souls. It is not 
a trifling thing to be a leader in a church. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.